as you know, I've been teasing you in the past about the wisdom that we can gain as people going to Google. So I thought I'd go to Google and find out what wisdom we're trying to gain. You know, so I, I said, what are, the te- what are the top searches on Google? What are some of the top searches on Google? So I'd like to start today by giving you what some of the top searches on Google are, because after all, we are all looking for wisdom. And uh, apparently we have figured out that Google is a source of that wisdom. And the questions are interesting. Basically, uh, here's one of them, when. There's a lot of when questions on Google. When will I die? Hmm. When will the world end? Maybe something even more important than those two questions. When will Twilight come out on DVD? <laughs> and I thought this was interesting. When will I get married? <laughs> Ooh, you know, is Google supposed to answer that for us? <laughs> How about why? There's why questions too. And it's interesting. When, because the, the macro categories are when, why, can, where, how. Why? Why is my girlfriend always mad at me? <laughs> Guys, talk to me after the service. I'll give you some answers on that one. Why do cats purr? Okay. Why do men cheat? Why is my girlfriend unhappy and why is my girlfriend so mean? <laughs> Can. Can I have a cheeseburger? The answer is yes, you can have a cheeseburger. Can I have a glass of wine while pregnant? Can, can I have the lyrics to Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And the one I love so much was this one. I hate to. Can Jesus microwave a burrito? Yeah. That was one of the top, I just thought that was so interesting. Can Jesus microwave a burrito? The answer is absolutely. And he can also make the microwave that baked the burrito. Uh, okay, we can, we can, that's great. Can Jesus sin? Can Jessica Simpson sing? We won't go there. Isn't it interesting, though, if you think about it, isn't it interesting in our day and age where we go where we seek wisdom. Think about it. If I were to stop for a minute and I were to ask you if you're in a conundrum, if you're in some kind of a struggling time in your life, where do you seek wisdom? What do you do when you need an answer? What do you do when you're confused? What do you do when you struggle. And that is exactly what we are going to be talking about today in our series here in 1 Corinthians. And I want you to turn there today to 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because Paul is writing this church, this little church in Corinth, 
We've talked with you a lot about this, and I believe that there's a lot of similarities between the church of Corinth, church in Corinth, and the people here in Nashville. Even a lot of similarities between what we struggle with as a church and what the church in Corinth was struggling with. And we are right now in this place where we finished up chapter five of chapter, or I'm sorry, verse five of chapter two last week. And I want you to follow along with me as I read to you 1 Corinthians chapter two, starting at verse six. And what I need you to do is to try to not hear it as this kind of thing that we do on Sunday mornings and we read, read scriptures and we talk about it. I want, you to, I want you to really ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the Lord, what are you saying here? What's being said to us? What's being said to me? Because it's a really important piece of scripture, I believe. Because Paul is really trying to correct this young church in the way that they're thinking about life. And one of the roles that scripture plays for us is that role. Do you understand that? That scripture is supposed to play the role of admonishing, helping us, guiding us, directing us, giving us the truth. And oftentimes, I want you to know, that's very difficult for us to handle and to think about. Especially because we live in a world that doesn't, much of the world that we live in doesn't believe in any kind of absolute truth, right? Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. Well, that's not what we would believe here. We would say there is absolute truth, and absolute truth is revealed in the scriptures, the holy scriptures, the inspired, inerrant scriptures of God that we're going to read from today. Yet, he says in verse 6 of chapter 2, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, he says. Now look what he says next. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, he's saying, who are doomed to pass away. So Paul's saying, we speak of wisdom because there's problems going on, and I'm going to get to those in a minute about what's really going on here. Not a wisdom of this age, but and rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but verse seven. But we impart, look what he says, very interesting, a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understand this. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, these things, these things, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. By the way, these things, what God has prepared is all God's wisdom is what's being referred to there. All God's wisdom, these things God has revealed to us through his spirit. For the spirit, now he talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. So he's making this, he's, he's, he's teaching us about worldly wisdom, what we understand about wisdom in general, and worldly wisdom, and now divine wisdom. And now he's going into this divine part. These things God has revealed to us through his spirit. And he says, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? I'll get to that. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we have not received, or I'm sorry, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might understand things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths 
to those who are spiritual. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things but himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. The first verse I want to pick on is look at that, go back to verse 6 where it says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. And he says this, Although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. So I'm going to talk about not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. What is Paul speaking about to this church here? This book is a book that I would highly recommend every one of you get. If you haven't read it, please get it. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. A lot of you have probably read this. A lot of you probably haven't. It's an allegory. It's written by John Bunyan. It's a Christian classic. And it's about a young man who's a pilgrim. His name in the story is Christian. And there's a piece of this story where Christian has, has the, the allegory is about Christian carrying around a burden on his back. And the burden on his back is the burden of sin. And he has been told by the person called, named Evangelist to go to the narrow gate and under the cross you will be relieved of your burden. And on his way on this journey, he runs into a man, follow, follow what the connection here is, he runs into a man called Mr. Worldly Wise Man. And Mr. Worldly Wise Man, it's, the book says, lived in a town called Carnal Policy. And Mr. Worldly Wise Man approaches Christian on his journey and he says, where are you going with such a burden on you? I'm going to the yonder, to the narrow gate to get rid of my burden. And Worldly Wise Man says, listen, listen to what he says. This is exactly from the book. Wilt thou hearken to me if I give thee counsel? And in the vernacular, he's saying, hey, I... I've got some words for you. Would you like to listen? Wilt thou hearken to me if I give thee counsel? Let me stop there and let me make sure that you understand that that is what worldly, Mr. Worldly Wise Men talks to us about every day of our lives. Our world wants to approach us and say, wilt thou hearken to me if I have counsel for you? And trust me, they have their hands full of counsel for us. And that counsel, I want you to know what Paul's saying is, that counsel that they have for us is very distinctive and very different than divine counsel. Okay? And Christian says, if it be good, I will. For I stand in need of good counsel. And Mr. Worldly Wiseman says, get rid of that burden. And Christian says, yes, I'm trying to do that. I've been instructed to go to the narrow gate. No, you don't need to go to the narrow gate. There's a much simpler way to relieve yourself of your burden. What's the burden? Sin. Now, here's the message. Look down the road down there. There's a village named Morality. And in that village, there dwells a gentleman named Legality who has skill to help men off with such burdens. His house is not far from here, and he also has a young son named Civility 
who can help you. So Christian decides to take worldly wiseman's counsel and begins his walk toward Mr. Legality's house for help. And the, the story goes that on his way, as he was trying to make his way to Mr. Legality, he finds himself on a hill. And the hill becomes inverted on him so that he can't actually make his way up the hill for fear that he'll fall back in on himself. Paul is teaching us here that there is such a thing, my young friends, as Christian wisdom. And it is not to be confused with the world's wisdom. The world has much to say about everything in your life, how you raise your children, how you're gonna use and abuse the sexual gift that God's placed in your life, how you're gonna engage with your wife and your husband, how you're gonna be in community, what the attitude you should have towards fill in the blank. It has all kinds of things to say, as well as so does the Holy Spirit. And I get sometimes the feeling here in Nashville that a lot of times what we do is, is we take all these things and we kind of throw all the darks and the whites in the same laundry. And we kind of put together this synchronistic, pluralistic understanding of that's good and that's good and that's not good and that's not good and I'll pull out what I want to wear and throw throw back what I don't want to wear, right? You following And the church in Corinth was experiencing a very real problem. And within the church, there was a passion and an allegiance to human philosophies and human leadership that was creating disunity and keeping believers from divine wisdom. People were being led astray because they were putting all the clothes in that same washing machine. And what Paul is saying here is don't be misled. There's a difference between your dark clothes and your white clothes. Don't confuse divine spiritual wisdom and humanly worldly wisdom, human worldly wisdom. Parents, let me pick on you for a second. You know I love you. I'm not picking on you. But I challenge you. Have you considered, have you thought about what the scriptures have to say to you about raising children? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about what the Spirit's work would look like to raise your sons and daughters up in a home that loves Jesus? What would the Spirit's work look like to do that? It's a good question, and one that I'm very familiar with that's an extremely difficult journey, and I have compassion so much on you. It gets tougher with teenagers. I know you didn't want to hear that. And if there's ever a time in your life when you need the Spirit's guidance, that's one of them (laughs) among many. (laughs) Sorry. When I thought about world wisdom, I thought, what is world wisdom if you could put it in a nutshell? 
See if you can follow this with me. I think it's so true. World wisdom is really about the self. Now follow this. World wisdom is the self is enthroned as the source, the source, the judge, and the goal of all of life. Self-realization, self-fulfillment, self-help is all the wisdom we need. We're smart people, we're good people, we're moral people. We can make it if we study hard enough and work hard enough and pull our bootstraps up, we can do it. when, When looking for ultimate answers, many of us, and I would even have to confess to you, even me, I turn in on myself. And I've turned in on myself a billion times and I'm like pilgrim when I turn in on myself. I turn into myself and I'm walking up that mountain and that mountain turns back all all over right onto me. It's much easier for me to trust in my instincts and trust in my gut and trust in my education and trust in my my experience and trust in my reasoning. The two greatest gifts that man's been given is what they say is empiricism and his rationalness, his rationalism which is his ability to observe and experience and his ability to say yes or no and to reason things out. Oftentimes that for me is what my wisdom is. Is that your wisdom? I can think my way out of it. If I get enough people in a room and talk to enough people about it, if I talk about it 50 different ways, somehow I'm gonna get the nugget of truth that's gonna, that's gonna release me from this pain I'm feeling. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever done that before? Have you ever said, I'm struggling so much that what I really believe, real wisdom, what could help me really is if I talk to 10,000 friends about this. And maybe 9,999 will have the key. Even when number three comes along and says, let's pray about that, and I look at him and go, dude, I don't want to pray, man. Why don't I want to pray? Because I'm a pragmatist. Because I'm a man because I don't want to believe that I'm a person in need, because I don't want to be broken, because I don't want to be dependent. I want to be independent. I don't want to need a cross. The cross is for people who don't know the Lord. I don't want to need that. And I got to tell you something every day, folks. I need it so bad. I need it worse than all of you need it. But worldly wisdom is about looking for ultimate answers, trusting our own experience, rather than looking outside ourselves for God's external word. God, what do you have to say to me? I'm gonna approach a subject that I'm gonna talk about. I can't talk to you at length about it. I realize that there's massive potential for when I talk about this subject for me, for me to offend people and for people to never come back to church. And I want you to know that I'm not wanting to talk about it for that reason. But I, want, I think it's important that I reach this subject because I think it's important for you to consider it. I was talking with a young lady a few weeks ago and she said that her and her friend were in deep pain and they were having coffee together. And this young lady that was expressing uh, her hurt to this other young lady basically said, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I can't control myself. I'm, I'm, I'm filled with anxiety all the time. And this friend told her, well, why don't you go to the doctor? Maybe he'll give you something for that. 
and I want to make sure that I, before I say the rest of it, I want to make sure I, to say something. There are very appropriate means and very appropriate situations for people to get medicine for their anxiety and their depression, and, and there's chemical imbalance, and I get all that. But let me, have, have you considered the fact of how many massive people are medicated in our culture? It's, it's unbelievable. And I, and I recognize that as I say this to you, I'm walking on such fragile ground. I recognize that I say that to you because probably 60 to 70% of you are. And here's what I'd like you to consider. Is that wisdom? Have, 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 you, have you gone with your knees before the Lord and this is my anxiety and this is my worry and I'm shattered? What, have you thought, I'm saying this to you as a friend. Have you thought about the fact that maybe the anxiety and the struggle that you're in could actually be the exact opposite thing of how you're thinking about it? Could it actually be God's way of doing something in your life? Could it? Could it, could it be God's way of massively trying to get through to you? Could it be God's way of knowing that the only way that he's gonna get the cross through to you, that he has to bring you to the end of yourself, that you're gonna have to be at a coffee shop and all you can do is put up your hands and say, I need the cross. I have no idea. What do you think? I, here's what I'd ask. Here's all I'd ask you. Will you consider that? And I know that some of you can't consider that. I get all that. But would you consider that? There's a theology of suffering that the Bible walks us through that's very unlike the theology of suffering that the world teaches you. Do you follow what I'm saying? There's a theology of suffering that the Bible teaches that's very, very unlike the theology of suffering that Mr. Worldly Wise Men teaches. Think about it. Think about it. Pray about it. Go to verse 7 and 8. Paul says, after he talks about this kind of wisdom in verse 6, he says, although it's not a wisdom of this age, he says, or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, right? So he talks about this worldly wisdom, and these people were caught up in this. He's trying to just get that one single point to be understood in verse 6, which is what I just tried to hit on with you. There's a distinction. There's, there's dark clothes and light clothes. Okay, good. Now, verse 7, look what Paul says. But we impart, he says, a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. Right? Then, look, then skip down there at verse 14. Look what it says. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. When Paul means here, what Paul means here is that that which is hidden in the past, he has, you know, has now been made known by the revelation of God. What, what he's talking about here is this secret and his, hidden wisdom. This wisdom is such that man, what he's trying to get across here is man is incapable of anticipating it. A plan which no one but God could possibly hatch is what Paul's talking about. 
You couldn't even understand this. This plan took place before the foundations of the world and it's revealed now. The secret of Jesus at the beginning is revealed now in actually his coming to earth. So this idea of this secret and hidden wisdom is actually the gospel where Jesus is at the center. And the only way that you could understand this wisdom, this spiritual wisdom that's been hidden but now is revealed is by the Spirit's working. Follow with with me what what I'm saying here. The only way you can understand the Lord, the only way that you could possibly even turn an eye or an ear or a hand or a foot or a head or, a, or, a, or whatever it is, is by the Spirit working to do that work. I know that for some of you that's very, uh, that's very foreign to you because maybe we've grown up in a church that says, if you seek God long enough, you'll find him. The actual, we believe that the scriptures teach that God seeks you, he seeks out his children that we're incapable of even turning to God without the Spirit's work. The Spirit is the one who turns our head. And it is not the suggestion here when Paul talks about this secret and hidden wisdom that man at his worst cannot understand, no. But that man at his very best cannot understand spiritual matters unless the Spirit of God helps him. The Spirit must intervene in our lives, just like what happened with Paul in Acts 9. The Spirit must intervene. And that's what Paul's talking about when he's talking about this secret and hidden wisdom, which is so beautiful. Then he gets down into the Spirit's work. But I want to stay here for a minute. If you think about this for a minute, that man at his worst cannot understand, that man at his very best cannot understand spiritual matters unless the Spirit of God helps him, what that places is that places our God in a massive seat of sovereignty and in control. And if you think about it for a minute, that truth, if you really believe it, that the only way we can live and move and have our being is by the Spirit doing a work, by God's triune work happening in our lives, then you would probably live your life under this kind of statement. Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, if you don't show up, I'm doomed. Holy Spirit, if you don't show up in my crazy career plans of trying to be a musician in this town, if you don't show up, I'm doomed. If you don't show up at this job that I'm doing down here at Vanderbilt Hospital, or this job that I'm doing here teaching these children at Harpeth Hall, or this job that I'm doing fill in the blank, or in my marriage, or in my life with my wife, with my husband, if you don't show up, I'm doomed. Because it's all about you and your work and what you're going to do. And how am I going to be a humble and recipient of that kind of Holy Spirit work for you to come and move and have your way with my life? If God, the Holy Spirit, doesn't show up, you're doomed with your children, parents. It's what he's going to do. It's what the Holy Spirit's going to direct you to do. There was a time where I remember talking with one of my daughters about a horrific thing, and I was furious about this thing that I was going to, I was going to clean house, take names. And I remember walking around a corner of my house. I, 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 this happened to me so many times. I remember walking around a corner of my house, grabbing a shovel. Now, not to go hit her, but grabbing the shovel and taking the shovel and just, just whacking my house. 
because I was, I was furious. Have you, you know, it's like the age old thing, put a punching bag in your basement, <laughs> you know, get the aggression out, right? And I, I remember hitting that and then all of a sudden going in, you know, to walk and I, I remember for some reason just deciding, what would you, just pray. And so I pray, I walk in and I find myself saying the exact opposite thing that I was going to say. I didn't take names. I spoke another name. You get it? That spirit-directed understanding, it's a spirit way to operate in your lives. Do you recognize the massive implications if we really believe there's this secret and hidden wisdom, there's this, there's this thing that God's revealed in this person of his son, Jesus, that only happens by the spirit? And we would actually be people that could actually believe that. Do you know the kind of ramifications that could have on you leading people or you evangelizing your neighbors? Oh my gosh, we're talking about evangelism in a Presbyterian church. By the way, do you guys ever even think of that? Do you, do, you, do you know that one of the reasons why we exist here on earth is so that we can speak of the redeeming message of Jesus to people who don't know Jesus? And did you know that the, that the, that the uh, maybe some of you were taught that you're gonna be taught all these things and all of a sudden you gotta give this great persuasive argument and people are gonna come to know the Lord. And maybe before you stand the throne at, at the end of your life, you're gonna go, well, Lord, I got 100 people into heaven. Well, good grief, that's ridiculous. Because you, that would be what Paul's saying. Paul's saying you can't do that. The Spirit's work is that. But you can love your neighbor. Isn't that right? Come on, are you with me? You can't, you can't love your neighbor. You, you, you can love your neighbor. Hey, you can love your neighbor. You can love your neighbor, neighbor in the name of Jesus and you let the Spirit do the work. And you pray. And you love them. And you let the Spirit do the work. Can you imagine what it would look like if you were to decide to lead? Do you know how many people I talk to when I talk to them about leading a small group or whatever in our church? Do you know, do you know how, what the, almost the 80% response is? It's this. Oh, I could never do that, dude. What are you talking about? I'm not a leader. I can't, I, my, I, are you kidding me? My, my boat has so many holes in it, I'm like, I'm, I'm, it's down at the bottom of the ocean. Guess what? That's, the Lord loves that because it's not about your boat. Come on. It's about the Spirit of God using very wrecked vessels to do his work. Are you ready to be used? Have you, have you ever talked, have you ever sat and just talked to somebody and as, you, as something came out of your mouth, you went, I, 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 don't, I didn't even know, I, 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 don't, I don't even know what, they're, what, the, what I'm saying. Like it's too good. It's too wise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're going, it's, that's beautiful. That's the spirit. Can you, so can you imagine if we were to re- re- look, live like this where we were to actually say the spirit does the work? Do you see the ramifications that could take place with just evangelism and leadership? Now let me close. Paul goes on later here and he looks here and he says, look what he says. In verse 10 through 13, these things God has revealed. And then he talks about, and I'm not gonna get into it long here, but I want, I want you to hear this. For the spirit searches everything, he says. Even the depths of God. Now he's getting into the work of the spirit. 
what the Spirit does. Look what the Spirit's job is. For the Spirit searches even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have, not, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand things freely given by God. So if you are a child of God, you've been given the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that searches out the depths of God. He gathers the depths of God, the deep things, and he gives them to us who are in Christ so that we have a mind and we have the Spirit to guide us. Do you get that? And Paul uses an analogy here. The analogy that he uses is, for who knows a person, in verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? And here's what I'd like to tell you. Does anybody really know you, like know you? Do you think you are, is there anybody in this life that really like knows all the deep, dirty, dark, great, unbelievable things of you? Probably Paul's saying is no. Even after I'm, I've been married for 30 years, my wife, I think that she doesn't, there's, there's, she's going to know me, but there's like, what if knowing is like way big and she, even by the end of our lives, after a phenomenal marriage, we, she just knows that much. Do you follow what I'm saying? What Paul's using is, is he's using an analogy that says, just like you know who you really are, what your dreams are, what you desire, what, the, what all those things are, what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit knows those things about God. And if you are a man or woman in Christ today, you have access to that depth of God. That's the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit given to you deep down in there. Are you interested in it? Am I? Are we interested in that? Do we really believe that true wisdom comes there? Are we really ready to be on our knees and say to, to the Lord, what do you have to say to me about this? How can you change my attitude about this? I want to close with this. This is Galatians. And if you want to know what the Spirit, how, how you can always know when the Spirit's working in your life, listen to this real quick. You just judge by the worldly wisdom the, the flesh and the spirit. I, this is in, you don't, don't turn there, but later you can find Galatians 5 and it says this. It says, now the works of the worldly wise or the flesh would be this. The, they're evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. We all have that, right? By the way, isn't it, I don't know if you, you're like me, but when you read this stuff, do you ever do this? You hear that and you go, no, it's totally not me. Next. Is that what you're doing right now? Don't do it. Receive it. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which is space, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Well, there goes reality TV. But the fruit of the Spirit is, do you know what it says? Love. Joy. Hey, for every one of us who's afflicted by the worry and wants to go to the doctor for, for a pill, which I'm not, I'm, I'm not exempt. I, I like that many times. I felt that many times. Fruit of the Spirit, peace. Fruit of the Spirit, patience. 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's good. I needed to hear that message more than you. Thank you for listening. Let me pray. God, thank you for uh, sending us Jesus and thank you for the teacher that you've sent us in the Holy Spirit. I pray that we'd not be so scared about this person in the Trinity. I pray that we would be open-handed and open-hearted about Holy Spirit, about your work in our lives. I pray that you would reveal to us the, the magnificence of the cross and of Jesus himself. I pray, uh, Lord, um, so much. I know that many of us, as we, we hear about the works of the flesh and the works of the spirit, many of us feel like so much of our lives are operating in the flesh. And I pray, Lord, that we would be holy repenters today. I pray that we would even uh, be on our knees before you with our idols and all the things that we hold so dear. And Lord, I pray that you would come, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come and minister the fruits of your Holy Spirit to us even now in the next couple minutes. We pray this in your name, amen.